Hey friend, thanks for listening to the Fixate Phoenix podcast. We are praying that you are blessed by this week's message. If you would like to partner with the future of Fixate, you can visit fixatephx.com slash give. I think a lot of the time our pursuit has been holiness, right? This set apart, unique to look at um, personification of what it means to live with that, that heavenly purpose and like holy kind of uh, character and way to, way to follow and function in Jesus. But the correct term of in my day and age, I believe, is not this holiness. It's this holiness. What I mean by that is I believe that what's happening in our world today is we don't really recognize that there is a holistic expression of following God in which he can permeate our mind our heart, our spirit. There's physical body stewardship. See, I think a little bit, here's what's happened within faith, is we have left room for other religions to come in and fill in the cracks. Where we've talked about God, but we don't holistically holistically experience or follow him within every aspect of our lives. See, what, when you think about it, see, fixate, it's funny because people are like, why do you, why do you guys name it that? Because it's a, it's a gazing at with unwavering attention and focus. Think about this, right? The last movie I saw that was mesmerizing, and I was like, dang, I'm watching this thing, Avatar 2, right? How many of you guys saw it and it was good, right? If you haven't seen it, I'm kind of judging you. Who doesn't see Avatar in theaters? <laughs> If you do see it in Petersville, I'm also going to judge you if you don't see it in recliners because it's like three and a half hours and nobody wants to sit like this for three hours. But here's the the thing about it, right? When I'm watching, I'm not like, I'm watching intently the entirety of the movie. There's a fixation with it. And I would even say this, is I believe sometimes what we've been led to believe is that we can kind of keep our eyes on God, but also our eyes on everything else all at once. And then we wonder why we've never really experienced the fullness of who he is. In the Old Testament, where I got this word, and holy meaning W-H-O-L-L-Y, is what you actually find in the Old Testament is this is an expression that is used concurrently throughout. And actually, there's a couple passages um, that I want to just point out. And Numbers eight fourteen through verse 16 says this, Thus you shall separate the Levites from among the people of Israel, Israel, and the Levites shall be mine. And after the Levites shall go in to serve at the tent of meeting, when you have cleansed them and offered them as a wave offering, they will be wholly given to me from among the people of Israel. Deuteronomy 136, I love this definition of Caleb. Listen to this. No one shall enter except Caleb. He shall see it. And to him and to his children, I will give the land on which he is trodden because he has wholly followed the Lord. In the ESV translation specifically, you can see over a dozen references in the Old Testament in which God, see holiness a lot of the times, the H-O-L-Y is connected to kind of like the Levitical priesthood and like that upper echelon. But holiness is something that God speaks all throughout. And it's essentially saying like, hey, our goal is to be holy, but I'm going to tell you this. Sometimes we are so focused on the behavior, the ritualistic behaviors of what we think holiness is, and not really focused on how God can permeate every single area of our lives, the whole 
of who we are. See, there's a couple passages in the New Testament, and I I think I want to break down, though, before we do, because I'm playing on two words on purpose today. See, a lot of the times we almost have like this, this, not condemnation, but a level of conviction of how we always feel like we're falling short in terms of following Jesus, how we always could be doing more, how we always could be, you know, if I could do this, if, you know, oh, if I just had this going, or if I just spent more time here, and, and not really totally focus on what it means for God to have the whole of who we are. And I'm preaching this today because I think here's one thing. If you come to fixate, you'll know this is we are going to be hyper practical. So today I'm setting the table because literally and it might be unending for like eight, 12, a billion weeks. I don't know. But I'm going to practically go through what a holistic relationship with Christ is and whole meaning W.H.O.L.I.S.T. I see. Because that's the the point of Jesus wasn't for him to have part of your schedule, part of your life, comfortable areas, or just a title, I'm a Christian, but for him to have everything. And I think it's so hard today because we have so many definitions of what everything is. See, most traditional concepts of it in the Christian church today is, listen, you're wholly following God if I see you at church. If you serve, if you give. But what we've done is we've sold ourselves short on that because there is such more of a fullness of Christ that I believe the world is craving. And not even just the world as in like this secularistic uh, word, but the world as in us too. We are craving deep roots that produce a fruit that remains, that can stay steadfast in the storm. See, a holistic lifestyle is one where God has the whole of you, so you can't give parts away. Holy definition in the Bible, some of these passages that I'm going to talk about, the holy definition means entirely, fully, completely, totally, absolutely, thoroughly. Think about that, right? Let's not, let's not do this like, and the other one, holy, right? Distinct, set apart to look at, consecrated, right? Let's kind of differentiate because when I say that, it's like, are you distinct and unique to look at, consecrated before God? Like all of us are like, man, that's like, it's pretty spiritually deep there. But if I want to, if we were to ask the question for you today, are you entirely, are you fully, are you completely Are you totally, are you absolutely, are you entirely, my favorite one, are you thoroughly his? Let's read some passages of scriptures in the New Testament, because I think in the New Testament there's some really feel-good passages on holiness, but I want you to understand that the feel-good passages on holiness are written from the pretense of the whole of the person serving God. It says this in 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16, it says this, Therefore, prepare your minds for action, and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of former ignorance. I love that, because essentially, holiness is not just this, hey, be unique, be set apart, be consecrated. There's a practical wholeness that's actually spoken 
kind of in the subnotes of it. And this passage is a huge one. Do not be conformed to the passions of former ignorance. You know what that means? Don't live how you used to live. Now think about this. It's easy to be like, God, man, I love you, Jesus. Like, I want you in my life. Like, I want to serve you. And then, like, if you start thinking about it, you're like, wait, but I still might have some passions in which I formerly used to live that still dwell within me. See, this is what I'm talking about holy, right? Is holy within the the aspect of consecration and set apartness. Like, yes, God, I want to be that. But holy within the aspect of God, do I have passions in my heart and in my life that actually are a part of former ignorance? Now, ignorance in our Western language is a little bit more pointed. Ignorance in the Bible is just an unknowingness. So I want to say this too. What he's saying is when you were unknowingly doing things, right, my grace can cover that. But when you have came to me and now you are willingly doing things that you know are against, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, unchristian and and unsaved and and backslidden and all this thing. I think the key word here is fullness of Christ. I believe that when we, when we don't do what we know the Bible says, it's not God is leaving us. It's that we're not experiencing the fullness. We're not experiencing the fullness of him. And that, I believe, is the greatest gift you could ever experience in this life, is the fullness of him. Let's keep reading. It says this. Verse 15, but as he who has called you is holy, you also should be holy, listen to this, in all of your conduct. See, isn't it interesting that holiness, you know, uh, set apart, unique to look at, distinct, right? Let's, all of a sudden we're breaking it down and it's not like, hey, it's, it's talking about the whole of you. All of your contact, all of your conduct should be framed around the image and the, and the lifestyle in which he lived. All of the former path, uh, passions should be subdued and, and, and redefined and redone in the image of him. See, these are the things that, once again, when we get into the minutia of holiness, it's not just like, God, make me holy. It's God saying, hey, change your habits. Change your behaviors. Change your thinking. Change your routines. Change your lifestyle. Change your schedule. Change how you talk to me. Isn't it interesting, like I said, where we we sometimes come to church, and I'm sorry, I love preaching feel-good messages, but if there is not a practicality to us living within the identity of what Christ has called us to be, I'm going to tell you we are not living in the fullness of him. Let's keep reading. It says this. Verse 16, since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy, right? That's a passage that we say all the time. Be holy as he is holy, but we don't talk about the conduct. We don't talk about the makeup. We don't talk about how he addresses, separate your former passions, submit your conduct to me. See, these are the things that we've got to talk about if we actually want to live it. Let's read another one, 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. And I love this one because it's the... First off, it's hilarious because a friend of mine, when we graduated high school, asked me what one of my favorite passages was. I told him this, and a week later he showed up with it tattooed across his entire chest. Now, the best part was is it was in cursive, 
and you couldn't really read it. And so what I would do is I would quiz him and say, hey, what is your what is what is that verse? Because I knew he didn't know it. And he still doesn't. <laughs> I promise you, he does not. He cannot recite the tattoo written across his throat. Now, I take it as like, you loved me so much, you wanted me to tattoo. Want, but I know what you really wanted. You wanted it tattooed and girls to be like, wow, cool Bible verse. And then you did. <laughs> he is one of those guys. Some of you guys are like, really? Is he? Yeah, I promise he is. Believe it or not, I have people who are not super churched friends, if you couldn't tell. Um, so, 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, it says this, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. I stop on holy nation because I believe, once again, let's talk about holistically, right? If you didn't know this, America is not the most Christian nation in terms of um, in terms of conversion rate and, and church growth in the world. The number one right now is Iraq. Isn't it interesting what that almost does to our perception when we think about it? Is it's like we immediately just equate godliness and a lot of like the sovereignty of God on America, not realizing that within the holistic approach of God, that he's moving in other areas of the world even greater than he is here. Why is that? Because there is a wholeness and a purity that he works through. And there's been a correction happening, I believe, on the American church in which God is correcting the wholeness and the purity of the body and saying, listen, I want every part of you, the deepest parts of you. And I believe that is the church that God is establishing going forward. Let's keep reading. It says this. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are a people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. You've obtained mercy. But not only that, we are people who have been called into his marvelous light. We are people who are called to proclaim his praises. And I just want to challenge you. Do you believe you've been called into his marvelous light? Do you believe that his grace extends to you? Do you live a lifestyle that proclaims his praises? See, this is the subject of the holy people and the holy nation. It says that, and then it breaks it down. Do you walk in grace? Do you live proclaiming praises? See, these are things that, once again, it's like, God, I want to be holy. But the practicality between not just a holy set me apart and make me unique, but holy, maybe, may I be thoroughly and with everything be in you. So what I want to do, and like I said, I'm going to, this is like a preface for the next, like, indefinite amount of weeks. Because I believe in what, what we're going to talk about is holistic habits. And I, I want to say this. For some reason, I, I, and I, I'm just going to be gut level honest, is we as Christians today, we want to claim that we're disciples. And in my opinion, we are some of the least disciplined people in America. We want to be, we, we're all about discipleship. We want to be following God. But when it comes to what are your habits that dictate what you follow? 
And if we think about it, right, I want to just, what we're framing today and what we're going to be going through the next few weeks is what are holistic habits, what are habits that we have in place that the whole of us root us into him in which we can live and flourish in our day-to-day through that. Because in my opinion, this is not what does it. Your habits is what will do it. Your faithfulness is what will do it. Your consistency is what will do it. Rhythms, lifestyle, routines, patterns. These are the things that determine how deep the roots grow. So what I wanted to do is I want to give six lifestyle questions to evaluate your holiness. Six lifestyle questions to to evaluate your holiness. And I'm going to go quick. But from the holy definition, this is what we're talking about. Entirely, fully, completely, totally, absolutely, thoroughly. Right? This is what these habits are designed to do. Is to get God not just ingrained, but almost fused into the DNA of our personhood. To where when we are cut, we bleed Christ. So the first one is this. Is there spirit habit development built into your lifestyle? Habit development to me is the basic habits, right? Are we in our word? Because in in my opinion, we have more access now, not just to Bible, but spiritual books than ever in human history. Yet we are the most biblically illiterate. See, when the printing press was invented and the Bible became widespread, it was almost this symbol of, oh my goodness, we can fully experience God without needing to be in the building. And it was one of the greatest moments in human history because all of a sudden God could become real outside of Sundays, outside of Sabbaths. Why is it that today our Bibles are dusty, they're not open, and it really, if we're honest, we don't even think they're super relevant or pertinent to our lives anymore. You know, I was watching this, um, this guy I really respect, and he was debating somebody, and in it he essentially said that the Bible was the foundation of all, Bibli- uh, of all language. And essentially what he said is because it's the most widespread and and established book in human history from the inception of the printing press on. I mean, it would essentially be on the New York Times bestseller list every single week, indefinitely forever. But essentially the foundation of, of human communication and interaction when that language was opened up to people who'd never perceived it became the foundation of language for our civilization. I, I can't even go into how much the Bible has absolutely revolutionized, revolutionized society. But what I can go into is has it revolutionized who you are? Not my opinion and my preference of what the Bible has done for me, but have you had the revelation of God's word consistently and rhythmically that has changed your life? Because if you haven't, you have shallow roots. And I know that that's forward and I know that that's pointed, but I'm going to tell you this. I'm only saying it because you're missing out on fullness. You are missing out on fullness of Christ. It's not, oh, wow, you, you, re- like, you need to read your Bible. No, you are missing out on who God could be to you in mind-blowing ways. So the first one is there a spiritual habit development built into your lifestyle. 
And really for me, I want to say this is I think a lot of the times is when I talk about spiritual habits, we're going to go through these. How do we read our Bible? Right? Prayer. What is a lifestyle of prayer? What is a lifestyle of fasting? Me and my wife, we believe big on prayer and fasting. Even this last week, we, we believe in praying and fasting. Do it for 24 hours. We've had somebody on our list who, who is struggling with, with, with uh, having a child that ultimately the Lord has completely... It's, it's just crazy when I go through the list of the things that I've believed and prayed for rhythmically, faithfully, wholeheartedly. And with prayer and fasting that God has completely done. It's incredible. But what I'm saying is this, is that we have to understand that spiritual habits don't just fall into our lap. They're developed. And so what we're going to do, we're going to go through for the next few weeks, holistic habits. What it means for the whole of us to have habits centered around him. The second thing is this, is there a Sabbath investment built into your lifestyle? Do you know how to rest? Why? Because God modeled it. But even more, I want to blow your mind with something really quick. The very first mention of holiness in scripture ever is in Genesis 2-3. You want to know what that holiness references to? So God blessed the seventh day. And made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work and all he had done. Listen to this. So God blessed the seventh day. There is a there is a blessing for those who keep Sabbath rest. There is a blessing for those. But not only that, he didn't just bless it. He made it holy. There is a holiness aspect connected to those who keep Sabbath rest. And we're going to talk about what Sabbath rest is, really breaking it down in the nitty gritty. But I want to encourage you, if we're Christians, we're only the only time we ever feel like we're a Christian is when we're producing. That's not biblical. We've got to be able to follow Christ's example of where we rest and withdraw from the world. And we allow God to pour into us. And I would say one day a week, me and my wife have Sabbath rhythm one day a week where you can't even get a hold of me. I shut my phone off for 24 hours. Why? Because there is holiness and there is blessing among Sabbath. Let's keep reading. Is there a financial investment built into your lifestyle? So the first one, right? Do we have spiritual habit development? The second one, is there Sabbath investment built into your lifestyle? Is there financial investment built in your lifestyle? And this is not me sitting here saying, man, you better be given to fixate every single week. They're your 10%. Yeah. Would that be awesome? Sure. But I'm going to say this. I believe that generosity in today's day and age will be the conversion tool of the world because nobody is generous anymore. We are so consumeristic, we are so inwardly focused, and for lack of a better term, narcissistic in our existence, that to to practice generosity gets people's attention in such a profound way, the only explanation is, well, this is who Jesus has called me to be. Generosity in this day and age, I believe, will mark spiritual maturity because, once again, everybody says they follow God, but when you put, no pun intended, your money where your mouth is, you find out the people who really do. Six lifestyle questions to evaluate holiness. Number one, is there a spiritual habit development built into your lifestyle? Is there a Sabbath investment built into your lifestyle? Is there a financial investment built into your lifestyle? Is there a sweat equity investment built into your lifestyle? Fascinating passage of scripture, if you didn't know this, is three separate times in Exodus 
The Israelites complained they wished they would have never left Egypt. I want, us, I want us to sit on the weight of this for a second. Three times in Exodus, after God has literally parted a Red Sea, has destroyed the entire Egyptian army, when they left, they loaded them down with gold. Three times they complained they would have rather stayed. Why is that? Because bondage and slavery is easier and more comfortable than fighting for freedom. And I want to say this to people today. See, a sweat equity investment is the question, when it gets difficult, will you keep going? Bondage and slavery will always be more comfortable for your flesh, but walking in freedom and fighting for it, that's going to be a question of if you're willing to do it. And as sad as it is today, I believe that most of us have settled for comfortable and easy, not recognizing that there's areas of bondage that God wants to see you more free in. He wants to see you free of anxiety and depression and negative self-image. He wants you to be set free of doubt. He wants you to be set free of unbelief. He wants you to be set free of secret addictions. He wants that broken off of you. But the reason it's not is because you haven't made up your mind if you'd rather be comfortable or you'd rather be free. And one of them is tied to bondage and one of them is tied to freedom. But another one is tied to fighting too. I boxed for three or four years. You know why I quit is because I hated getting punched in the face. (laughs) And here's the funny thing is, is my coach knew I was tenacious. He put me in with dudes who are 50, 60 pounds bigger than me. And those dudes do hurt. But I quit because I didn't like getting punched. I'm going to say this to you. The Christian life, there's a lot of punches. It's a lot of punches, a lot of body blows. There's going to be pain. But I'd rather be free and have a little pain than in bondage and feeling good about myself. And I want to challenge you in that regard. The people of Israel saw God do incredible things. And three times in Exodus, they said, can we just go back to being a slave? Can we just go back to being a slave? I promise freedom is worth more than being a slave. Number five, just going through these quickly. Is there a spiritual habit development built into your lifestyle? Is there a Sabbath investment built into your lifestyle? Is there financial investment built into your lifestyle? Is there sweat equity investment built into your lifestyle? Is there a make the tough decision investment? Built in to your lifestyle. You know, the worst thing is when you see someone who can't make tough decisions, even though they know what right and wrong are. And I'm going to say this. This is not a politically motivated statement of, well, you just need to make this political or this or that. No, this is a personal decision of which we're living and doing things that we know we shouldn't do. But we can't make the tough decision to stop. And if you notice, I'm framing these questions around the term investment. Most of us in this room, I would say all of us, have the understanding of what an investment is. Something you do in hopes that there will be a greater profit by you doing it. 
I want to challenge you in this. When you make tough decisions framed within the biblical language and direction that God has intended for you, there is a payoff. Now separate the financial payoff and start attaching the fullness payoff. And that's what I'm talking about. There is a fullness when we are willing to sacrifice anything that would create distance between us and him. We're willing to make tough decisions. I pray that we're people who when tough decisions are in front of us that are counterintuitive or active to our faith, we're willing to make the tough ones. And the last thing is this. Is there a servant-hearted investment built into your lifestyle? I did a teaching on this a few weeks ago focused on the washing of the feet. And I want to say this to you. I think servant-heartedness today is another aspect where it's not about our words, it's about our actions. And that's what the focus of this has been. It's not about our words, it's about our actions. I pray that when we talk about spiritual habits and spiritual disciplines, we realize that it's not about our words, it's about our actions. If you can stand to your feet. I uh, flipped a few houses when I was in Michigan. One of the houses that I, I flipped, it was the very first one. It was the worst out of all of them. And Justin knows the guy on sound because uh, what I decided to do before I sold it was I was going to fix up the basement. Now, a basement in Michigan is not like a basement in Arizona. Okay? A basement in Michigan, most people don't refinish it because it gets so cold and so wet that at some point something's going to make its way into the basement. But I had decided that I was going to redo this basement. I'd saved up about $10,000. And so what we did is we jackhammered and dug trenches and did put French drains in, which is essentially we shoveled it, put in all this piping up above and everything because my basement always had water in it. But I made up my mind, I'm going to spend my money, 10000 to get the water out this basement. And I remember we grinded and we grinded and we grinded and we grinded and got it done. And I moved all the dudes down there. And I remember I slept good for the first night. And the second night, we had a monster rainstorm. That basement wasn't waterproof. <laughs> and I remember they wake me up at 2 a.m. There's water pouring in to the basement. And there was I remember going outside 2 a.m. and it is storming, ripping, roaring, going crazy. I climb on my roof and I realize all my gutters are full of water, that the water's pouring into my basement because I've never cleaned my gutters ever, right? Who cleans gutters? <laughs> so here I am, 2 a.m., cleaning out my gutters so the water won't go in. The whole time I am just yelling at God, we're having a moment. So I clean out my gutters and water stops coming in for a little bit. And I walk in my kitchen and as I walk in my kitchen, there is a steady stream of water falling onto my stove. 2 a.m., what do I do? Go out to my garage, grab a tarp, climb on top of my roof, tarp my roof, put bricks up there. I get done with that. Now we've got a shop vac, the basement. And it's funny because I was reminded of this story because... I was so mad, but as I look back, I know what I did on that house. 
in terms of I know what I bought it for and I know what I sold it for and it was a lot more, but there were things in there that, man, when I was doing them, I was like, dude, this is awful. This is terrible. I will never do this again. It is 2 a.m. I'm on my roof pulling leaves out. Why did I ever sign up for this? But hindsight 2020, every single time I did what the work that was necessary, every single time I did the thing that I know I needed to do was leading to a day in which there was a blessing coming. And I want to challenge you as we talk about habits and as we talk about the whole of us. See, it's so easy to focus on the actions and behaviors and say, man, that sounds like a ton of work. Man, that sounds like a that sounds like a lot of investment. Man, well, I'm just really comfortable right now. Well, I don't know if I can really do that. I'm going to tell you this. If you do do it, there is a fullness that comes in which you experience Christ in a way that others never have, and in some cases never will, when you're willing to do the things that others wouldn't, spend the time with God, understand his word, make his truth your truth, be committed and be consistent, root yourself in holistic habits. There's a day that comes in which you look at the sacrifice and you know it was worth it. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're new here, I read a prayer in closing over our, of the message over everyone. And however you want to receive this, you can, arms open or hearts open, whatever that is, but I pray that you would receive today this message for yourself. God, as we step into a new year, may it be one that our pursuit is holiness not just to be set apart and unique to look upon, but rather when someone sees the rhythms and behaviors of our lives, they readily see the existence of you. We form our daily habits and routines around you, a mindfulness of your ever-present Holy Spirit and a recalling of the original intention of man for God to be one with his creation. Father, we follow your example in understanding that keeping, not maintaining the gift of Sabbath is a holy act. To be generous in a world devoid of it carries a symbolism of spiritual maturity. And may it never be said of us that we weren't willing to dig deep and uproot the bondage of lies the enemy has sold us rather than live in the freedom in which you have purchased. Father, we will make the tough decisions. We will develop the servant heart. But more than any list of to-dos, more than any New Year's resolution or get back on track plans, may our hands and our hearts reflect the whole of us is submitted to the holiness of you. Sanctify us in your truth, for your word is truth. And may we see the goodness of God in the land of the living not just as a flickering candle's waning moments, but as a flame of hope and light that burns unceasingly pure, leading us forward in you. Today, we seek first your kingdom and your example of righteousness and trust that all things will be done in your time and not ours. You do not just have our 2023 but you have our eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.